Well, 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 what's going on over the pond in England? Of course, you know the UK variant, which is now the dominant variant here in Ontario and all through Canada. It was first identified in the United Kingdom. They've had a hard lockdown there for some time, and now things are changing. And for some perspective on what's happening in London, let's go to London and our correspondent for Global News. Redmond Shannon in London. You can go for a pint. You can get a haircut. Color me jealous. What's happening where you are, Redmond? Well, yes, Alan, you can go for a pint, but you have to stay outside, and it is unseasonably cold here in London. So this uh, opening from from a heavy lockdown three months long is today, but uh, the weather isn't facilitating. But there are people still sitting outside shivering in in very Canadian style, uh, having a pint, having a coffee, um, because people are just desperate to see some sense of normalcy. And, uh, yeah, barbers, hair salons are are booked out as our patios. So um, it is uh, a little bright spark here because of the success, partly because of the success of the, the vaccine rollout program here in the UK. Well, let's begin with the vaccine rollout and then we'll move to where the case counts are right now. Um, in terms of vaccine rollout, I'm seeing, what, 50% now first shot uh, of the population? Is that accurate? Yeah, well over that. And um, a good chunk of those have their second shot now. It's um, They're giving this for the, at least for the AstraZeneca shot, that uh, there's a 12-week gap, which is something they opted for here somewhat controversially. But um, they wanted to get as many people as possible um, vaccinated and they are well uh, in past the uh, the 50s now people in their late 40s can get vaccinated um, around now too all the vulnerable groups have been vaccinated and those vulnerable groups accounting for 99 percent of deaths here so really that is a quite a landmark well over half of the population is, is vaccinated so um, people are starting to feel like uh, you know there is end in sight pending of course the variants. Mm. Yes, and of course B117 first identified in the UK. We call it the UK variant. What what do they call it in the UK? Well, I think they're moving towards B117. It has been called the Kent or the variant first discovered in Kent, so they're going to the county in England where it was first identified <laughs> here. I'm sure in Kent they're going to the village it was first I, I don't know. But so there's all it's like uh you know, I'm sure, you know, Canadians have Newfie jokes and then Newfies probably have joke about someone and you know, it always goes down to the to, to blame someone else. But um <laughs> Kent Kent variant is what it's sometimes called here. Okay, tell me about, you mentioned AstraZeneca and the age groups. What's the restrictions in the UK for uh, who can get AstraZeneca in terms of age group? Yes, so the restrictions here are anyone over 30 can get and will continue to get it. So 30 is the cutoff, which is different to many other countries in Europe and Canada and so on. Uh, So, and that partly could be due to the fact that many people in their 40s already have had the AstraZeneca but the numbers, nonetheless, do point to the fact that um, the any risks that are posed by these, these uh, very small blood clot risks are far, far smaller um, than uh, any risk that you would be under if you get COVID, and indeed a risk of blood clotting from getting COVID. So, um, but they brought it down to anyone over 30 can continue to get AstraZeneca. Uh, and the under 30s will be offered the Pfizer uh, BioNTech jab, 
uh, shot. They call it a jab here. So forgive my uh, UK terminology, a switch over and back. Um, uh, or the, indeed the Moderna, which is starting to be rolled out here too as well. Uh, we, we've got some recent polling here that shows that Canadians are, are pretty hesitant when it comes to AstraZeneca. I'm just wondering what the hesitancy has been in, in the UK, especially when you have such a large, uh, a, a much more significant portion of the population that is eligible to get that shot. Yeah, well, I would say, obviously, these reports of the blood clots are concerning, and there is hesitancy, um, and it, it, uh, the demographics will, will decide on hesitancy, too, to a certain extent. The, just like in, in other countries, certain communities, minority groups, there are, are concerns about uh, misinformation and disinformation in those communities because perhaps public health messaging isn't reaching those communities as it does for you know, uh, native English-speaking born communities, and it, it is an issue. And there is there are concerns that some people are, are more hesitant, broadly speaking, about vaccines. But then this AstraZeneca issue is being perhaps uh, something that people are using to sort of prove their case about vaccine concerns. Hmm. So obviously anyone is concerned that this is a small, small possibility but I think most people, it seems like, for the most part, uh, are okay with taking it and um, are not in a position to be able to say no to it. Um, and once most of the population gets vaccinated, the concern then will have to be to identify those who are not and see what can be done about that. Right. Uh, we're speaking with Redmond Shannon, who is uh, a Global News uh, correspondent in London, have you has the UK moved any closer to vaccine passports? Is that a reality? There is a lot of talk about that. About um, the, you know, there's I suppose two different ways of talking about that. One is for travel, and the other is for say uh, having vaccine um, certificates, as they wish to call it here, um, to basically show that you have been vaccinated in order to go to a pub, a restaurant, a bar, whatever. Um, that's some, not something that um, is planned in concrete terms right now, but I don't think we can discount anything from happening. Um, this this uh, pandemic has shown us that no matter what political leaders have said, um, circumstances will dictate otherwise and may dictate otherwise. But as we are today in London, you don't need any sort of vaccine certificate mm. to go to a bar. Interesting. Uh, Redmond, obviously the, there's great hope uh, in London and across the UK that this is the end of the lockdown and, it, and it's done. I, I guess I, I compare and contrast it to what we're seeing south of the border. For example, Michigan is doing a pretty significant reopening. At the same time, they are seeing uh, record daily case counts. So those two things kind of don't add up. But what what's the case count like there? Is there is there really the scientific um, community behind a reopening? There's evidence that it's safe to do so. Oh, so, sorry, Alec. Um, you just uh, uh, dropped out there. Could you ask that question again? Yeah, just is just is the scientific community on, on board? I'm just seeing, you know, in Michigan where they're reopening, the case counts are still flying up. So they're they're doing both things at the same time. What are the case counts like in the UK? The case counts are are quite low here now. The um, over the weekends and that, the weekends are always even lower than weekdays. The number of deaths on one day was as low as seven. So that is such wow. a huge drop off. We had in January at the peak, 
of that wave uh, over a thousand and some days so it is way way down and it's way down and the scientific community i think and the government are basically on the same page with this now because of the lockdowns and because of the vaccinations and uh the hope is that this easing of the restrictions um, won't have to be reversed. That's something that Boris Johnson has pledged, that there's no going back. But of course, as I've said, yeah. politicians <laughs> I've, have said a lot of things yeah, and have turned around before. and had to change it. <laughs> Last yeah. question uh, um, uh, to you, Redmond, is when we talk about lockdown, lockdown means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I understand that they've done some studies in the UK where they, they say stringency, you know, how stringent has it been. Can you just describe what... When we say lockdown in in your experience and the lived experience, what does that mean? Well, it certainly didn't feel over the last three months hasn't been as stringent as or it felt as unusual as the first lockdown, March, April, May last year. But, you know, a lot of businesses had adapted. So click and collect in stores. You you go online, you go to the door, you pick up whatever you ordered. Um, Cafes, you know, are all open, serving through the window for coffee and donuts and whatever. So a lot of business had had adapted and there was a lot more traffic on the streets. But nonetheless, you couldn't go to a store and buy a book. You couldn't go to a store and buy clothes. Was there a curfew? A curfew anywhere? There was no curfew in the UK, so that wasn't an issue. That that wasn't something that was put in place here. Travel restrictions in terms of, like, within the UK itself? Could you just go to the Lake District in Wales? Uh, No. So, for example, within the four nations of the UK, you couldn't travel between them without a valid reason. So basically the Scottish English border was was blocked off in effect and and, uh, you couldn't go from England to Wales. And within Wales, for example, there was a a limit to how far you could travel. In England, it was less uh, concrete. It wasn't like a, you know, a 10 kilometer, 10 mile limit as it would be here or anything like that. It was stay local, that that's up to interpretation what local means. But different, uh, different parts of the UK had different sort of stay local measures. So people were expected to stay close to where they lived um, unless they had a valid reason for traveling. Well, Redmond, uh, so glad to hear that at least there's been some partial lifting. I hope you get a chance to get out there and get a warm beer on a cold patio. Well, we'll we'll try. We're we're of course um, busy reporting on the death of uh, Prince Philip at the yes. moment. But um, once once all this mayhem passes us by and uh, the the somber funeral happens on on Saturday, maybe then once the, a booking um, becomes available at some pub somewhere, we might find a patio we can jump into. All right, Redmond. Please take care. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Yeah, I'm the guy that shows up at a funeral and says, hey, next door they're having half-price wings. You want to go? I'm like, not appropriate, Alan, not appropriate.